Oh, boy, here we go for the Hump Day Show. Time to get your hump on. Now I want to go to Shakey's, damn it. Fat guy can't mention Hump Day. I'm a fat guy on a diet. I'm always on a diet because I got the diabetes. So even when I'm off my diet, I'm on my diet, and I got to go back to my diet if I stray from my diet. It sucks. Fat guy wants food. Fat guy wants to go to Shakey's and have the lunch of bunch buffet today. Boy, oh boy. Oh, man. Oh, well. I can't do that, but I can tell you what I can do. I can give you Moto today, and I got Moto babies. I got Mr. Cooper Webb coming up on the show, and Cooper talking about some head games. We talk about this all the time on the Moto show on Saturdays, and that is Cooper Webb plays head games. And I love that he openly just admits it in this interview. It's also, I put it in a Moto Minute, I chopped down the little clip, but he admits it, and Cooper's awesome. My favorite riders out there on the track and just a cool dude and down with the 4-9. We dig Cooper Webb. And I'm, this battle with him and Eli, it is cat and mouse, and it is going to be something, I think, all the way to the end. Eli's got his hands full, just like he did in outdoor season with Chase. He's got his hands full, I think, with a more cunning opponent for sure in Cooper Webb coming down to the end. And Cooper... Uh, you know, he's got to watch out for Eli because Eli's the saltiest dog on the track. So, got to be awesome to watch these last, what, six, seven rounds as we wrap up this championship of Supercross for 2023. Now, that being said, I am uh, going to run that. And then we got Eli later in the middle of the show. And I got a bunch of other crap because I'm not uh, one-dimensional. No, I am multi-dimensional. I'm like a multiverse here on the stretch show. It's amazing going to get into a, uh, a thing like pretty much, in my opinion, college degrees are going to be worthless in the very near future. Academia is going to torpedo itself to death with their woke head up their assness. Is that a word? I just made it up if it's not. Going to Australia's going to tell you about something that can kill you that I didn't even know about, mate. Oh, man, this is a good one. And what's weird is this thing should kill you. And I think Aussies are so badass, things that should kill normal people don't kill Aussies. Because I got a story of a lady at the beach. You're like, oh, crap. Here goes Stretch on his great white shark stuff. Oh, no. This is something I never even knew of before. I was today years old when I found out this was the thing. And, of course, it's in Australia. And it'll kill the crap out of you. Kill you dead. But this lady doesn't die because she's an Aussie and they're, they're a different breed. I got a story of what do you think happens when your kid is, you know, probably being taught the woke ways at school and they go to school and they have an art project and the kid draws something that would be pretty much considered, you know, anti-government. What do you think happens? Well, in America, you applaud that kid. You give that kid a brownie and, you know, extra credit. But if you're not in America... Bad things happen to you, the parent. Going to get into this story. A kid drew a drawing and a parent's going to jail. That's uh, the spoiler alert on that one. We'll get into it. Then I got a guy that's an uh, an author, like a very respected author. In fact, a Nobel Prize nominated author. He didn't win the Nobel Prize, but he's been nominated for it before, which is a very big honor. He's doing porn. Yeah, porn. 
Then I'm going to go into a story I've talked about before, but it resurfaced, and, and I'm still taking umbrage with it. Every time I see this story, it makes me mad. And I'm like, this is crap, and it's about a giant turd. A giant turd, they say. They say a huge, most massive human turd ever laid. I'm like, seriously? I mean, that, that's just a Tuesday for me. I'm the king of choking toilets, so I'm going to get into this one. And I got a guy... Um, that's fun, idiot. Idiots are fun in the news. Just dumb shittery is always good. And then I have a story about the worst drivers in America. Where are they? Tell you what people think and what they say, where they actually are. We'll do all of this today. But coming up in just moments, my BFF, Mr. Cooper Webb, Red Bull KTM rider. Get his thoughts on playing head games at the Supercross on Saturday. I love he admits, I love that he admits it. It's the Big 49. Big 49, it is stretching right now. We are sitting down with Mr. Cooper Webb of the Red Bull KTM team. And Cooper, congratulations on another night. I know you didn't look very happy at the end of that race, but I'll get into that line of questioning here in a minute. Right now, let's talk about qualifying. You didn't look great at all in qualifying, and then you come out and bam and lay it down in the main event. And in the heat race, you get your first win in a heat race in a long time. And you're great when it comes race time, but in qualifying, it was not a, a great situation for you today. So walk us through that. Yeah, I, I, I didn't gel very well today with practice at all. Okay. Um, it was it was tough, you know, and, and I knew for the – the night show was time to step up. You know, I, yeah. I definitely um, didn't put myself in a good position. And I think even though, you know, the, the heat races normally don't mean a whole lot, I think it gave me a little bit of a spark to know that, that yeah. we're, we're in it. So yeah. that was good. And then, um, yeah, I, I knew the track was going to break down, which is usually something I, I excel at. So I, I didn't lose too much faith in it. But, okay. yeah, I, I was really off in practice and just okay. couldn't find a flow, really struggled all day every every session so okay. it was definitely good to bounce back and like you said i think this morning if you would have told me i was on the podium i'd be quite <laughs> happy so to be able yeah. to fight like that to a p2 and and stay um within the fight was was awesome all right and speaking of that heat race win it's the first time in a long time and it's also the first time in a while we've seen you pull out the finger guns coop you pulled them out you pop out you pop out chase sexton as he goes across the line in midair we saw it what's that all about and is that just fun like, like walk me through that <laughs> yeah man it uh <laughs> felt good i hadn't won a heat race all yeah. year and uh chase is good in them so uh yeah, it was, it was a cool deal, and um, you know, it was one of those things to maybe make him get out of out of whack and lose focus. And oh man, seems like it maybe worked. <laughs> Coop, I love the way you race, man. I absolutely love it. But now let's go over something. You were grinding all night. You get number two on the box. You're tied in championship points. It's still a really solid night. And I tell you, at the end of that race, you did not look happy. You looked like you were pretty pissed off. And it was not a celebratory situation for you, even coming in in second place tonight, even with the bad start early in practice. And then it just seemed weird. So uh, walk me through the emotions at the end of that race and what was going on. Yeah, I mean, when you're when you're within a certain window, which I felt like I was at one point, um, okay. to to contend and and you don't do that, it's definitely a little bit of a bummer. And I made a lot of mistakes there late, so I was more just kind of bummed on on that. Okay, um, gotcha. But it's tough, you know. It's yeah. just, Eli's such a, a good, strong competitor. So, uh, like I said, I I think at one point I actually passed him, and then he got me back, and then. Um, 
Like I said, I got into yeah. a window where I was close enough to really, I felt like, make something happen. And he started doing that whoop line, and um, I should have picked up on it and didn't. Made yeah. some mistakes in them doing my jump line. So, yeah, more more just, you know, we're, we're all competitive. We're all nitpicky as racers. And, uh, okay. you know, unless I feel like unless I execute a perfect race, you're always a little bit uh, upset afterwards. All right, and then at the end of that race, uh, Justin was putting it on. He's been finishing really, really strong these last few races uh, in particular. And did you feel him coming on because he was catching you there as we were coming to the checkered flag? Yeah, <clears throat> I could, I could tell. You know, he was riding well and was getting there at the end. And um, I was, I was struggling there at the end. Just kind of, you know, the track changed quite a bit, and and some of my lines seemed to kind of go away. So. Uh, yeah. You know, I was definitely a little conservative, and then I saw he was catching me, and it's like, oh, oh shoot, you kind of got to get going again. But um, yeah, you know, obviously was able to, to barely, you know, kind of yeah. hold him off. But uh, uh, how about the the fans tonight, Coop? Let's talk about this. You are out there with uh, the red plate. It's been an incredible season. We've had more sellouts than any time in recent memory in Supercross. The sport seems to be just growing and growing. Almost sixty thousand fans. Here tonight, you guys tied for the red plate. For us as fans, it's amazing to watch what's going on. Uh, for you, what's it like out there uh, this season as we go into these packed houses like tonight? It's been a great season for racing and yeah. for fans. I mean, yes, tied it in the points. You know, I think that's a fan's dream. So uh, tonight was loud. It was pretty crazy to see and hear. And um, yeah, all year it's been been like that, but uh, it was a great turnout tonight. All right, and let's talk about this epic season that you're having, that Eli's having, both of you with two championships. At the end of the season, most likely one of you's going to have your third championship. And what's that like? I mean, what would the third championship be like for you? What's it like being in this battle with Eli? Like, walk us through uh, the importance of this season for you, especially coming off a year like you had last year. So uh, what's your takes on this? Yeah, it's, it's definitely um, special. You know, we yeah. both have two. That's an amazing accomplishment in itself. And yeah. um, it's kind of weird, but this is the first time that we've, really gone head to head ahead i feel like so yeah. i think it's kind of what everyone hopes for at the end of it and, yeah uh, i mean it, it definitely is what we work for every day and it's the ultimate goal right every time yeah. you, you line up for a, a series <laughs> yeah. after you win it's it's a an addicting feeling so to get a third would obviously be amazing and um would would definitely be a great feeling and that's what we're going to keep striving for all right, uh, Cooper, man, it's uh, going to be a long couple of weeks here as we got no racing next weekend. Are you in the mindset right now of as you're in this battle for the championship with Eli that you just want to keep grinding out there? Or are you, uh, you like going to look forward to this week off, get some outdoor testing like uh, Barsha and Eli? Or, or what are you going to do? Yeah, it'll definitely be nice. Um, but it's it's tough when you're when you're in that race mode, and, and especially now yeah. you're you just want to keep going and, and finish this thing out and finish strong. But, uh, yeah, like Justin, we'll do some, some outdoor testing a little bit and yeah, enjoy a week and all. All right. Uh, Cooper, man, thank you so much for taking the time. We appreciate you. Uh, we appreciate watching you this season and seeing that effort and that grind and seeing you just keep that red plate and hold on to it. And the battle with Eli is heating up. And it's really, really exciting. Uh, best of luck to you when we catch up with you guys again in Glendale, Arizona in a couple of weeks. I am Stretch. This is the Big 49, your home of Moto Rock Extreme. The Man Urge. Demon Report! Man.
Man, it's crazy. TMZ is now showing snuff films. There was a video up there yesterday of a dude here in Southern California who stole a highway patrol car, and they were chasing him down the highway, headed out towards Lancaster, I believe, along Highway 18, when the dude at freeway speeds just opened the door and jumped out of the car. And guess what? He died. But the best part is he hit the freeway. He was bashed up. The CHP get out of the car, and they still run up and handcuff him. Dude, you just jumped out of a car at 65 miles an hour. You're going to probably be dead. I don't think they needed to handcuff him, but they did. And then he later died at the hospital. It's crazy. The whole thing's up on TMZ. Man, Magic Johnson is a baller for real. Not only is he one of the greatest Lakers ever, he also owns part of the Los Angeles Dodgers. At one point, had a tiny bit of ownership for the Lakers, but he sold that to buy into the Dodgers. And now he's got another group of billionaire buddies together, and they are looking to buy the Washington Command from Dan Snyder. Remember, Snyder got a great offer from Bezos and Jay-Z, but he doesn't want to sell to Bezos because he hates them. So it's a good probability that Magic Johnson will be an NFL owner very soon. And finally, the NFL has changed their rules forever. Players could not be number zero. There was no number zero allowed on any team. And now they have announced that they have changed that rule. And the first guy to don the number will be Calvin Ridley, who played for Atlanta for a long time. And he was number zero in college, but had to go to number 18 when he was a pro playing for the Falcons. And now he's going to Jacksonville and he's going to get to be number zero. So shout out to him being the first zero in the NFL. The Man Entertainment with Stretch. Oh, good night, mate. Bob's your uncle. Let's go down under, you sick cunt. Let's talk about this. Freaking Aussies, you drive me insane. I, as much as I, I trip on the Aussies, because everything in Australia can kill you, including this story I'm about to tell you. This story is effing epic. Epic. And the lady doesn't die. It's a lady, and she doesn't die. You know why? Aussies are harder than normal people. They just are. Remember, that they started off as a penal colony. England took all their prisoners over to Australia and said, Ah, good night, mate. See you later. And they threw them off on the big-ass rock and bounced, turned it into a country founded by convicts. And here you go. They had the Aborigines there, don't get me wrong. There were indigenous people, but then there were all these bad people coming in, these god-awful cracker-ass criminals that came in, ruined the neighborhood. But... They learned to adapt, and they became incredibly badass. Badassery is like taught in kindergarten in Australia. This story is something, I, and I, I didn't know this was a thing. And imagine this. Lady on the beach. She's in Australia, and she's out on the beach, and she's collecting seashells. And she brings them back to her towel, and she's laying down. She pulls out the shells and she starts looking at the shells. She's on the beach near Sydney in New South Wales. And when she's holding up the one of the shells, a tiny little octopus falls out and falls on her belly. Well, the thing starts biting the crap out of her. You know why? It's an Australian octopus. What else is it going to do? Oh, yeah. Did I mention it's one of the most poisonous, toxic creatures on Earth? Yeah. It's the blue rind octopus, mate. Yeah, it's from Australia. It'll kill you, mate. Yeah, that's what it is. That's what it is. You know what we have here in America? 
octopus. You know what they have in Australia? Tiny octopus that'll effing kill you. That's what they do. Blue ringed octopus contains one of the most dangerous neurotoxins on the planet. And this lady got bit by it four times. They rushed her to the hospital. Nothing's wrong with her. They're like, we don't know what's happening. I think she's a she-devil, mate. Yeah, that's what I think. That's, that's, it's just stories Australia through and through and through. First off, who knew there were tiny octopuses that could hide in a seashell and kill you? And here's the best thing about the blue ring octopus. The toxin in it can paralyze and kill humans in small doses. In fact, it doesn't have to bite you. Not only is it venomous, which means it can bite you like a poisonous snake, it's also toxic, meaning it's the bacteria on its skin has the toxin, and if you touch it, you could die. So you could touch this little tiny octopus and just drop over dead. This lady drops it onto her stomach where it's touching her, and it bites her four times. So she gets the venom, and she gets the, the crap from the outside of the skin, and she doesn't die, and they can't figure out why. Now, by the way, I'm looking at a picture of one of these things now that I'd never heard of them before. And the blue ringed octopus, it's beautiful. It looks, it's one of those saltwater creatures that you see with the vivid, vivid colors. The blue rings, and they literally look like they light up. They go like blue and purple when it's messed with. The, the lights change and get brighter on it. And these little rings, it's covered with these little circles all over it. And the circles are blue, bluish, purplish light. They're amazing. They kill you dead. Unless you're an Aussie, mate. And then they'll fall on your stomach and you'll be like, that little bugger be stanging me. Yeah, then they take you to the hospital and they go, we don't know what happened. Just for the record, there is no known antidote for this toxin. Like, this lady's a miracle. I think this lady is the antidote. I think if I'm her, I'm like, I go in there and I'm like, I'll sell you my blood, you bastards. You want to make a way to keep people from getting killed by these crazy little tiny octopuses. This story's insane. The poison's called tetradotoxin. And it's found throughout the octopus's tissues, not just in the venom glands, which makes it one of the most deadly animals on Earth. And they say, despite being so toxic, blue ring octopuses have caused only three confirmed deaths, though. Yeah, because people see them and they're like, oh, crap, mate, it's the blow-roaring octopus. You better run. That octopi lift you up. Yes, it will, mate. Insane. I love Australia. I want to go to Australia, but I'm terrified of Australia. And Aussies are starting to freak me out, too. They're not normal. You're not normal. Not normal. They're tougher. They can drink more than you. They party harder than you. They apparently feel no pain. They're, they're, they're indestructible human beings. They may be Terminators. Maybe a, a subspecies of human down in Australia. I got to go down there and investigate this. I'm Stretch. This is the Big Four Nine coming up. I'll break you off with another story. How about we go into the largest turd in the world, which I have umbrage with, because I think I have shattered this record on any given Tuesday. And I see this story. I don't know why it's back. It's an old story. Well, the thing's been around for 50 years. That's why. Yeah, the biggest turd in the world's been around for 50 years. We'll talk about this next. I'm Stretch. I'm going to get that thrown. Literally. It's the Big 49. Big, 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 big. The Big 49. Moto. Minute. Brought to you by LBZ.
with the rumor mill in high gear about which rider is going where at the end of the season. It comes down to this, and this is according to our friends over at Motocross Action Magazine. Everyone's waiting on Eli Tomac to decide if he's going to continue racing after the Super Motocross playoffs at the end of the motocross season. We know he's in for that, but he has not signed for the 24 season whatsoever. And if Eli doesn't sign, that changes everything. If Eli does sign, that changes everything. The guys on the box that look like they could be making moves are Chase Sexton, Cooper Webb, you got Aaron Plessis, you got a whole bunch of guys that are going to go there. No one on the Gas Gas team is re-signed, so we're waiting to see what's going to happen with all these guys, and apparently everyone's waiting to see what Eli Tomac will do, and will there be an opening for the 450 squad over at the Star Racing Yamaha camp. I'm Stretch, another Moto Minute brought to you by LBZ is coming up one hour from now. Big 49. It is a stretch show here on a hump day. Thank you for listening. Shout out to Cooper Webb. If you missed that interview earlier in the show, it'll pop up at the end of the show in the 11 o'clock hour and still ahead. Eli Tomac coming up. So if you missed Eli yesterday, we got him right here coming up in the middle of the show. Right now, we're going to talk about what journalists in the UK eventually dubbed a bum splitting turd. And... Apparently, in the 1970s, they were building a bank over in the UK. And it was in York. And they're digging away, and then they start finding archaeological remains. So, yeah, you know what that means. We got to shut everything down. They got to come in with their archaeologists, and they got to dig it up. Well, they dig up this huge brown thing, which later they realize it is a turd. It is a giant human turd that's over a thousand years old. They say they think it belonged to a Nordic Viking. And they've now had it for 50 years and it's in a museum with a plaque and everything. They say unearthed by the York Archaeological Trust during an excavation in 1972. We found the largest turd ever pooped by a human, they say. And then they put it down in freaking Euro BS metrics. It's a 20 centimeter long by five centimeter wide. Remains the world's largest turd on record. And I'm like, man, that must be huge. That sounds huge. 20 centimeters long by five centimeters. And you read on and they ran tests on it. And they say the diet was mostly meat and bread, which by the way, makes me know I'm a Nordic Viking giant blonde-haired green-eyed guy who eggs giant turds yeah I mostly eat bread and meat I'm for sure a Nordic Viking and then when I look down and when I do the the translation of the Euro math to real math it was eight inches by two inches that's a Tuesday that's nothing special that's not a bum splitter a bum splitter what is happening with you, Limeys? Oh, man, what's happening? That's not huge. I, I've choked my toilet. I'm serious. I got one before where I had to turn the plunger upside down and hit it with the stick part to get it to go down the drain. I've had such massive freaking turds. I'm Stretch the Great White Turner. That's what I am. That's what they call me in my... That's my Viking name. It's Stretch the Great White Turner. He's coming to dump on your uh, hood. Oh, there's a car in front of my house. I'm about to dump on the hood. I'll tell you that. 
I lived in my house for 20-something years. I park in the same spot every day, and recently some F-stick is parking right at my spot, and every day when I get home from work, there's a car parked where I park, and I'm about at my wit's end. I know it's a public street. You can park where you want. But I own my house. I've been here for a long time. All the neighbors know. I don't know who this new douchebag is parking their car on my spot, but I'm about over it. About to start getting BBs in the windows and fun stuff like that. Nails in the tires. I'm over it! Park at my spot, you MFers. I'm stretched to Great White Turner. Don't you know that? I'm going to take a giant turd on your hood. Then they'll know it was me. They show up and they're like, oh, it's a huge turd on the hood. Well, it must have been stretched. The Nordic Viking Great White Turner. Yeah, watch out for him. He's crazy. Yeah, that's what I know. Bastards. But anyway, this story, all the hype and circumstance, I was incredibly impressed until I came across that it was only eight inches by two. Like, what the hell? That's not a huge turd. It's good size. It's a hefty lunker. But it's no world record holder, especially of a thousand years. Oh, no, I've read way bigger than that in the last thousand years. I promise you. Get the Guinness Book of World Records on the phone, Moto. I'm going to go dump on somebody's desk and show them. What the hell? They also say the guy was infested with worms and was not healthy. That's eh, probably me too. Crap happens. Yeah, those things happen. All right, coming up next, let's talk about the worst drivers in America. Where are they? I think they're in California. Most people think they're in California, but technically that's wrong. We'll get into all of this. California's up there though. Trust me, it's probably the correct answer. It's the Big 49. Big 4-9, it is a stretch show here on a hump day, and I am ready to tell you where are the worst drivers in the world. And it's, I think it's misleading, the article, a little bit. Uh, I'll give you the spoiler right to the end. They say Jacksonville, Florida is where the worst drivers in the world are, and I will get to that. But in the survey, everyone thought California had the worst drivers in the world. 36% of people thought that. In San Francisco was uh, 26%. In San Jose was 22%. So they thought all of the worst drivers in the world were right here in California. And I would say you are 100% right. And that was a survey done about Americans all over the country. They all thought, no, that's definitely the worst. Well, they give it to Florida and Jacksonville in particular... And here is why. Because the death rate is really high there. 165% higher uh, than any other city in America for the, I guess, the rate of population. That's what it is. So it's driving deaths per 100,000 residents. In Jacksonville, it's 10.9. That is 165% higher than the national average, which makes Jacksonville the worst drivers in America. So... I don't think they're bad drivers as much as maybe they're fast drivers. Maybe they do die more. I do notice in Los Angeles, your death toll simply lower than the per capita should be because we have such bad traffic, you really can't get any good speed up. The second freeways uh, slow down, you know, back off the traffic at the end of the night, then you get the crazies that are driving 100 miles an hour just weaving, woof, 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 in and out. There's really bad drivers here. So I think this story, although I understand they die there, also know this, Jacksonville's really spread out. 
way more rural than Los Angeles or any other big city in America. It's spread out. What happens when you're spread out? You got big ass roads. Go into Orange County and drive on roads and you're like, wait a minute, this isn't a freeway? This is this is just a road? It's like four, four lanes each direction, just hauling ass wide open. You're like, this is a great road. We don't have that in LA. In LA, we got usually maximum two lanes, three lanes, and there's parking in one of the lanes, so that takes one of them away, and it's just not moving, and there's too many red lights. It's awful here, but we have horrible drivers. The people drive slowly, but they drive god-awful, so the fatality rate is lower, so I think this thing is very, very misleading. It's like Jacksonville, you get a little more wide open, you get crazy people driving fast, and you get a lot of death there. Now, let's go to the cities that have the best drivers in America. And they say New York City, number one. And if you've ever driven to New York City, I don't know what it is, but when I moved to New York, I loved driving in that city. Absolutely loved driving in that city. And I would drive around, and you'd be on these streets, and the streets would be going like, I don't know, 70 miles an hour. And you're like, this is a 35-mile-an-hour street. And you would look out your window, there'd be a car three inches from you. But nobody panics. Everyone just keeps going. You just stay on the gas, bitch. It's what you do. And I do appreciate that. And in New York, even though they they park by Braille where they back into your car, pull forward, back into your car, when they know to stop when they hit the car behind them or hit the car in front of them, that's how they park. But I'll give them that. They're way better drivers than here in California. And they also drive in weather. And I notice every city on this list is a city where you drive in weather. Uh, Minneapolis, Minnesota, they say, are also the best drivers. Salt Lake City, all areas that get a lot of snow. Boston gets a lot of snow. And then they have San Francisco on there. And I'll give you San Francisco's different in the sense of it's not like your typical California city. It's very, it's got an East Coast vibe to it, even though it's on the West Coast, the way it's set up. But I lived there. I didn't think they were spectacular drivers. But then again, nothing stood out to me at the time of, man, these people can't drive here. This is nuts. So those are your best cities and worst cities in America when it comes to bad drivers. Uh, bad drivers. I'm telling you, Los Angeles, you know the worst drivers in America? Effing Uber Eats, Grubhub, those effers. How do these people even get driver's licenses? I have no clue. And by the way, just so you know, a lot of them do not have driver's licenses or they refuse to show them. Because I know at one of my jobs, before we let anyone on uh, the property, when you stop at the guard gate, you have to give your driver's license so they can track you down if you steal sensitive information or anything like that. Or you hit something or do a hit and run on our property and take off. And many, many food delivery guys will come up and they'll be like, we need your license. And they're like, no, I'm not giving you. We're like, well, you can't come on the property. And then they got to cancel the order and take off and go back, which is a big pain. But uh, the employee's mad they don't get their food. But at the same time, we're not letting some numb nuts on the property running around with no driver's license. When if you're a food delivery person, an Uber driver or whatever, you should probably have a damn driver's license. Th those things are, they're bad for the world, man. Food delivery and ride shares are bad for the planet. They may be better for pollution, well, not the food delivery. That's extra because typically you would just go get food from wherever you are. Now you have someone driving. It's a, they're bad for the environment and bad for the people. It's just bad and bad. 
Uber drivers suck. They'll stop in the middle of the like road. They'll drive the wrong way down one way street. They're god awful. I hate those people. I won't use food delivery now because my bad experience at one of my jobs with their drivers being such idiots on a regular basis. I have at least three or four interactions with food delivery people. And, and since my work is a 24-hour operation, uh, we close at night uh, some of our gates, but the guard booth is still there. Uber people will drive up to the gate and they will literally sit there and when they get there, they will effing just start honking their horn at a closed gate. And you come up and you're like, can I help you? And they're like, I need to come in this gate. And you're like, it's effing closed. I'm going to pull you to this car and smash your face in. Like, get the F out of here and go to the open gate. But hard to have that conversation when 90% of those people do not speak any form of English and are trying to get you to speak into a Google Translator. At which point I'm trying to shove a Google Translator up your ass because you have now pissed me off. Coming up next, another great American. His name's Eli Tomac. This is the Big Fortnite. The Big 49 Moto Minute Brought to you by LBZ Good news, we are finally going to get to see Joe Shimoda aboard that Pro Circuit Kawasaki on a Supercross track this season and it's going to take place when the 250 East return to racing at Atlanta Speedway. So Joe Shimoda, who has been down all season long, as a matter of fact, hasn't raced at all in the Supercross because it was just before the 250 East kicked off that Joe broke his collarbone. He's been getting time in on the bike. He is healed up and it looks like he is ready to race come Atlanta. So shout Shout out to Joe Shimoda and that Pro Circuit Kawasaki team for finally getting healthy, getting some dudes back now that we're past the halfway point of the season. I'm Stretch, another Moto Minute brought to you by LBZ is coming up one hour from now. Big 4-9, it is the Stretch Show here on a hump day, and now it is time to rip on this new soft young generation of massive, mentally fragile, effing confused vaginas. Because that's what we're dealing with in this world, and it is just coming to a boiling point. At some point, I hope it's coming to a boiling point. Because you're like, damn, it can't get any worse, and it gets worse. So here is a new thing, and this is going on at a big, really good school here, in allegedly, in California, called University of California, Santa Cruz, UCSC. That's where this story uh, comes out of. And... They talk about they're doing away with assigning grades to freshmen and even some upperclassmen because it's too stressful for the kids. So you got these little vaginas that grew up their whole damn life getting a trophy every time they took a dump. And then here I am, the taker of the greatest dumps in the world and I don't even get recognized and the guy takes a dump a thousand years ago and he's apparently the world record holder but I'm gonna let that go and I got these kids to get a trophy for everything they do oh you wiped your butt here's a trophy oh look at you you uh talk back to mommy here's a trophy uh what you misbehaved here's a trophy that that's the way we we've done these kids their entire lives and they're a bunch of freaking wusses and now when we hit the pandemic, it was so mentally stressful for them and everybody else on the planet that they decided to do away with testing to get into schools. You know how, why you have testing to get into colleges? To weed out the stupid kids. 
and to weed out the little vaginas that were, you know, not studying in school and not doing the right thing. Get rid of them. They weed them out. You want the best of the best to go to college, and then you have smart people walking around with college degrees. That's historically how colleges worked in America. And by the way, if you're rich, you get to the really good schools, and if you're bad, you can go to a bad school, but you can still come out an incredibly smart individual who just didn't go to an Ivy League school or whatever. No shame in that. Now these teachers in academia, which is destroying the world, I told you how out of Harvard and the Ivy Leagues that we got the freaking BS industry of freaking racism is what I call it, but they call it uh, freaking diversity and inclusion. I call them, no, you're teaching reverse racism is what you're doing, but I digress. Now we got kids and they're saying that grades are not a representation of a student learning. They say if a student came into my class and they already knew the material and they got an A, they didn't really learn anything. But if a student didn't know any of the material and they came in and got a C, they learned a hell of a lot. So we don't need to have grades anymore. That's their argument. So there's massive momentum in the academia set behind ungrading. They say it's in response to growing concerns about students' mental health. Oh yeah, they're a bunch of fragile snowflake vagina freaking wusses. You know what's weird? You don't see this in motocross. These moto kids are tough as hell. These young dudes that ride supercross and motocross, they are tough as hell. They're not mentally fragile vaginas. And don't get me wrong, there's people, you have mental issues everywhere. If you have a mental issue, get treatment for it. But don't bend the world to your softness. The world is the world, man. You like get on the train or don't but we don't want to change the world so that you can't miss the train because the train is the effing locomotive and it's powering full speed ahead. These kids are effing soft, dude. And it's absolutely ridiculous that they are accommodating them at every angle to continue to be soft and to not harden up and to not be ready for the real world and to get out there and now they're going to have a diploma they didn't even really earn because they're not gonna have grades on it. They're not being tested to see what they've learned. They just sit around and cry and bitch and are soft. Oh, I'm mentally fragile. F you. You know what'll stop that? Getting smacked in the head by life. You'll get up and you'll deal with your mental issues. Uh, we've all got mental issues. And you know what we typically do? Go to therapy. And if you don't go to therapy, and the people didn't used to do that, you used to just have to deal with them swallow it every single day and go do what you had to do because life was effing hard well it's not anymore life is for giant vaginas and people that freaking don't want to work hard and people that don't want any resistance in their life they want to go through life like they're freaking turd shooting out an x-lax butthole that's what they want to do they want no resistance they don't want that squeeze of a big giant girthy one coming out no that big squeeze of heart they want to just shoot out of there, you big freaking vaginas. I'm Stretch. It's the Big 49. Big, big, big. big. The Big 49. Moto. Minute. Brought to you by LBZ.
All right, ever since Saturday, all the numbnutses around here at the Big 49 have been going, what's going to happen next time they race? I don't understand. You got Eli and Cooper tied for the red plate. Are they both going to have red plates, or does Cooper get to keep the red plate until Eli passes them? We don't know. Well, thank God some people know because I saw this on Racer X. I'm not going to lie. They said it looks like they are both going to be wearing the red plate when we get to Glendale, Arizona. There will be a red number one aboard the Star Racing Yamaha of Eli Tomac, and there will be a red number two aboard the Cooper Webb-driven Red Bull KTM machine, and they will both have the red plate. However, no matter what happens, one of them will leave solo with the red plate at the end of Glendale, and that's a Triple Crown event, so going to be a crazy night. Can't wait for that to happen here. Still over a week away, but got something to look forward to. I'm Stretch. Another Moto Minute brought to you by LBZ is coming up one hour from now. Oh, my God. I'm still disturbed over the weak-ass, bitch-ass young generation. We're just bending the world to make life easier for these people, and we're not doing the country or ourselves or these young people any favors by doing that. We are creating a generations of weak, soft people. Thank God for the young athletes, because it is the last merit-based uh, system of achievement and it really teaches people to be tough. And like, you you want to win? Well, you better get better. You better get grittier. You better get tougher. Work harder. Only place where that happens is athletics. And I, that includes moto. That includes, you know, any sport. Only place we got tough young people. All right, let me get into one of my stories before I blow a gasket on this crap again. Let's go to Russia. Got a guy, single dad, he's 54 years old. He got arrested last month because at school, his daughter drew a picture of a Russian missile and it had the Russian flag on it, raining down on a Ukrainian uh, mother and her child. And the teacher was so alarmed by the photo that basically they called the police. The police came and arrested her father. Remember, a single father. So it's her and her dad. They put the kid into like a foster care system and they put the dad under house arrest awaiting a trial. Ah. Uh, they found, by the way, the kid got these degenerate ideas from the father's social media activity. He was fined 35,000 uh, rubles of $460. And then he had his little um, ankle bracelet on as he is awaiting trial. The kid was in the orphanage because she drew a picture in school that was against the uh, unjust war that Russia has put on the people of the Ukraine. And that's what I said, and I'm going to stick to that because I believe that. And the father was due to be in court this week, his final court appearance, and he instead has cut off his ankle bracelet and fled. Hopefully he got out of Russia. Maybe he's in Bali being a Russian a-hole like all those Russian tourists that they hate over there. But... He's getting the hell out of there because he was being sentenced to three years in prison. Three years in prison because your kid drew an anti-war picture in school. Now how great is America? Everybody bitches about America and oh, I love it when they would call uh, Trump. He's like Hitler. Like, no, really? Hitler killed millions of people. Pretty sure Trump didn't kill anybody. I don't know if Hillary Clinton could say the same thing, but Bill, they, Trump didn't kill anybody. Also didn't arrest people for calling him a dick and 
making drawings of them and paintings of them and sculptings of them. Uh, none of that happened. So funny how soft we are here in America. This guy's kid drew a picture of a bomb falling on people that was an anti-war photo. The police got involved and her father's going to prison for three years because it's Russia. Pinko, commie, bastard Russia. That is disgusting. And we cry and cry and cry about everything over here. And I'm not being recognized. I identify as a cantaloupe. Why won't you call me a cantaloupe? Shut up, you soft-ass mofos. My God. I'm, a, I, I'm sorry. That story about the college is, just put me over the edge. I'm going to get out of here. What I'm going to do next, I'm going to play an interview with my BFF, Cooper Webb. And I'm going to bounce, bitches. That's what Stretch does. This is the Big 49. Big, big, the Big 49 Moto Minute brought to you by LBZ. You ever listen to the Big 49 Moto Show? One of the things we always talk about is how Cooper Webb is not only a grinder that will wear you down and beat you with points if he wins in the ranks or not. He is a dude that plays head games with people, too. And on Saturday, we noticed when he won the heat race that he turned around in midair and did the finger gun at Chase Sexton. And when we asked him about it at the press conference, he told us, it's like a big head game. Listen to this answer. Um, you know, it was one of those things that maybe make him get out of out of whack and lose focus. And seems like it maybe worked. Damn! Cooper Webb is just a freaking stone-cold killer, and it did work, and he knows it worked, and he's now living in Chase Sexton's head. Way to go, Coop. I'm Stretch. Another Moto Minute brought to you by LBZ is coming up one hour from now. Big Fortnite. It is a Stretch show. I got to get up out of here, man. I got to pack it in for the hump day spectacular. If you're lucky, you get some shakies today. Some lunch buffet. Wonderful time. They should pay me, or at least give me free buffets. Ah, man, I'm fired up. Uh, the soft, vag vaginal young generation that our world is being molded down to is starting to really wear me out. Like, we gotta fix this country. We gotta get to it fast. Or we're gonna have a bunch of freaking giant vaginas that are gonna be just walked over by a future generation of a country that's a little tougher to live in than we are because we have no obstacles. We remove all obstacles for everyone and lower the bar, lower the bar, lower the bar, lower the bar so that everyone's the same. Guess what? Not everyone's the same. There's people that are better at just about everything you do. Hopefully you find that one thing where there's no one better and you excel in it and you push yourself. And you know, you find that one thing, you find that one thing by running into the effing wall. You find that one thing by like, wow, that person, those people are way better at me than this. Those people are way better at me. Well, I'm good at this. Oh, I'm, I'm gonna keep, I'm gonna keep working hard at this. I'm gonna per perfect this skill. I'm gonna hone this craft. Look at me, greatest radio pronosticator on the planet. That is my name. My name is Stretch Ari. I thank you for listening to me. I'm the greatest moto broadcast nonsense slinger on the on the entire planet and I do it right here in the big 49 every single day it's my pleasure to serve you here we are not vaginas we are not soft we fight we scrap we kick we freaking do everything we got to do to get every freaking listener we can and everything we can because we're old school man 
Big 49's gonna keep scrapping and keep fighting and keep winning and not being vaginas till we dominate this entire radio scene. We're gonna snatch it from these bastards. HLS Streaming is here to stay and the Big 49 is at the forefront of it. The Big 49 Radio Network, which now consists of Big 49, west of Nashville. There's a few other stations in the mix. We'll get to those soon enough. We'll tell you all about them when we can. In the meantime, you guys, go pack it up. I'll talk to you tomorrow. We'll come back. We'll redo this old school style. We'll grind it out like Cooper F and Webb. Shout out to Cooper and Eli. Tomorrow, Justin Barsha on the show. Till then, God bless you all. God bless the United States of America.